Hey everybody, welcome to Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. I really want to thank you for listening. If you feel compelled to do so, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, comment, share, whatever you feel like doing. Help me out trying to grow this podcast, trying to continuously deliver value. A couple of things before we get into the show, check out the links in the show notes to my CRA Academy my CRC Academy, both of them doing very well as far as getting people jobs in the marketplace. Check those out. Also, if you need help getting studies for your site or anything else, or even launching a site, basically any help for your site, we have a low monthly fee consulting service where we have helped many clients become and continue to be successful site owners through our background efforts of business development and support staff text me 949-415-6256 please check out the links in the show notes as well for the book the comprehensive guide to clinical research it's been selling really well getting very well received by the community thank you guys so much for that also check out the youtube member page join this channel to get perks that's my youtube uh, membership it's 10 bucks a month you get a monthly mastermind exclusively it's a zoom call every month with other youtube members uh, you also get weekly videos exclusive to the youtube members on how to use social media to improve your opportunities in life sciences so check that out really means a lot to me and thank you so much again for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, Guru Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. Um, my guest, my next guest, Yuri Labed, he's the CEO at Pharmaxi LLC. Uh, it's based out of Ukraine, but now they're focusing on Eastern Europe. Full set of services for clinical trials, uh, regulatory monitoring, data management. So all the stuff about CRO that we talk about that I know you guys and gals watching and listening are very curious about, and I can tell from the questions I'm getting. So not only do we have the CEO of a CRO on, but also happens to be Ukrainian. And he's been going through, I mean, to put it like uh, mildly, he's been going through a hell of a time this last month. Uh, He had to move from Kiev to Lviv. Is that the city you went? You uh, had to move to Lviv. Yes, and and he's got a CRO. It's not a huge CRO. Like we're not talking like Ikevia eighty thousand employees, but it's a still significant. It's a thirty people operation. He hasn't laid off anyone, uh, which is awesome. Like you're truly, you know, when they say they talk about CEOs, uh, they talk about wartime and peacetime CEO like you're you may be a good CEO when it's good times but when it's bad time it's when you really need a good CEO and you're literally I mean it's not just a metaphor you're literally in a wartime CEO which is crazy usually in business we talk about this in in metaphor not an actual war so you know a a uh, Adam Walker He's a colleague of ours uh, from the Martin Huxley podcast. He he told me, hey, Dan, you've got to interview Yuri. I mean, you know, he's got a lot of insight into running a CRO. 
but also obviously with the current events of what's happening in Ukraine with the Ukrainian crisis. Um, he's got obviously unique insights into that, like running a research business in the middle of a country that's being attacked right now. So Yuri, thank you so much for coming on. I assume you're much safer where you are now than where you were going to be in, in Kiev, which is where your home still is. Yeah, thank you for invitation. And this is a pleasure talking to you today. Uh, and yes, uh, you know, this relocation from the Kiev uh, relaxed me because when you uh, are in the center of the their target and when rockets sometimes hit a uh, thousand meters around, around the home, uh, you just, uh, your mind is just freezing. You cannot think about uh, nothing but but physical safety uh, and uh, when when I relocated uh, it allowed me to to restore uh, company uh, and uh, uh, to re relaunch uh, operations uh, and many tasks uh, I I uh, have to be uh, forced to 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 resolve and there is no manual. There is no checklist. There is no preparation, and uh, I was forced to to invent uh, scenarios of how to uh, to to act in this situation. Yeah, I can't. I can't imagine. I mean, I've never been in that situation. But when the attack first started, exactly a month ago, February twenty fourth. Um, I mean, what was that like and how many days did you have to relocate and like, what was the thought process? And then maybe some of your employees as well, like, are they all in the same situation as you or did some of them still stay there in, in Kiev? How's that? How did that all work out? And it's still working out. Uh, you know, the first uh, problem was to understand if, uh, it will be safer to uh, to be in Kiev uh, because there is water inside, electricity. Uh, it is warm place and everything, uh, and uh, th there is some uh, idea to to be here. And this is the safest place. And uh, the second idea is that maybe situation will change rapidly, uh, and uh, uh, some block block point uh, will be arranged around the city uh, and uh, when we will come to this decision maybe it will be impossible as it now uh, in Mariupol uh, people uh, from some point they cannot leave the city uh, and I decided to to go my family to, to grab my family to go to the car uh, and uh, then I was looking the way of how to uh, relocate uh, and um, I was just uh, reading news and uh, when uh, one of news was about uh, the situation when 16 military aircrafts uh, now trying to land around Kiev uh, I was thinking that it is really risky right now in Kiev and around and I decided to uh, to grab my family and to go to the western direction.
did you have family there or uh, how like how does how did you decide is there like airbnb or did you have another house there how did that how did that decision work out and i can't imagine you know if everybody's moving that way that there's not going to be enough housing for everybody how's that how did that work out yeah you're right you're right that it is a challenging this moment for for everyone because uh, this decision was taken within 10 minutes yeah <laughs> so 10 and 10 minutes ago i decided that safest place is is my flat in kiev uh, but uh, when i read this news i decided that it is too too big risk and we we have had only 1 hour to to take everything what could be uh, taken with us uh, in, in, in in and what what could be taken by my car you know uh, so some when disaster happened uh, sometimes you have only 10 minutes to decide uh, and this question about the next location became really really challenging but fortunately my sister uh, lives here uh, and it is like like a, a house of two floors and the second floor was empty uh, and we just called to uh, to the guy and he told it is free right now so it is not not a problem wow yeah that's uh, that's uh 10 minutes you had that window now when what were you thinking about as far as your business is concerned how was your business disrupted or was it disrupted by the events that started on february 24th yeah it was really big stress uh, because uh, I've had uh, one conversation, 24th uh, February, with one client, and they said, uh, "Guys, we we understand everything, but we cannot move with with you uh, because this situation uh, cannot allow us to to get uh, results, and and uh, we uh, nothing is guaranteed." Uh, and uh, I imagine that okay. Uh, all clients will stop uh, operations and then I will face with with another problem um, uh, and I would I have to pay salaries to 30 people uh, and I, I cannot say them guys we have no contracts everything suspended so you will be without your your salary today uh, this month and uh, you know uh, my uh, biggest factor of stability was that uh, we we have good residuals on our accounts, uh, and uh, uh, I know that uh, to maintain stable operations, uh, we need uh, the amount of money which is equal to uh, the total salary which we have to pay three months without any incomings, you know? Right. So, and it was my uh, idea that we have to uh, to have some buffer and the uh, crises could be uh, very unexpected. They could be of economical nature. It could be a disaster. Uh, it could be... Uh, many yeah. many many things which could stop uh, uh, incoming uh, and uh, you know even pandemic was like 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 big explosion for for everyone 
uh, and uh, it is also a reason of why um, uh, income uh, and payments uh, will be stopped. Yeah. And uh, uh, my, my stability was based on the understanding that we have enough money to pay salaries for three months. Uh, but uh, the second idea was to, uh, to convince our clients that, guys, we can operate, we can manage medical writing, EDC system services, data management services remotely. Uh, because system is hosted on European server. Uh, internet is uh, now fully available in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So our remote services, we can deliver without any problems. But the biggest problem was that study sites uh, informed us that, guys, we are now relocating. We think about our safety. We cannot move further uh, clinical operations and, and current clinical studies. And that is why I decided to uh, launch new company new company in Poland. Uh, and now we uh, we will we will starting we will start uh, a registrational procedure and we will get Pharmaxi Poland and this will be uh, a, a, the company in EU. Uh, so it, this decision allows us to uh, to continue our current projects based on the study sites located in Poland. When 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 um, when the crisis started happening in Ukraine, uh, how many projects did you have? I know you lost one because the sponsor said, "Hey, you know what? Sorry, yeah. Yuri, we we can't do it." Uh, but how many other projects did you have? And did did they stop or do you continue like you were saying, because you still have the other services? You said, look, guys, I'm going to get other sites in Eastern Europe. Were you just Ukrainian sites at that time where you, your CRO was managing just Ukrainian sites? And now you this forced you to expand to Poland and maybe Romania or other places in Eastern Europe. Um, so in a way, it changed your business for the better. But during the time and it's only been a month. Was that how you were able to save the other projects you had by convincing the sponsor, hey, you know what, we're going to find sites, other sites as well? Uh, yeah, we now we're managing approximately 10 projects. Mm. Uh, and uh, uh, two projects were just two days uh, for contract signature. And these are big projects with, with big companies. Uh, and uh, my idea was to uh, restart existing projects and not to lose too big uh, upcoming project. Uh, and uh, to uh, convince sponsor, uh, I arranged many uh, TCs with them in order to explain them my, my vision. And they just said them that, guys, we are now starting two uh, procedures. The first one is we will contact with uh, every study site in Ukraine, uh, and we will ask them about their uh, situation and maybe uh, study sites which are located in western part of Ukraine. Maybe these sites will be uh, willing to restart. Uh, and in the parallel, uh, we will uh, start uh, looking for study sites in Poland. And then if we will have 
some study sites uh, which will be not active in Ukraine and we just replace them by study sites in Poland. It will balance uh, our study and this could be a solution. Uh, and uh, you know, every week situation completely uh, changing uh, and uh, uh, if study sites uh, told us within the first two weeks that guys you are crazy why are you asking these questions we are now trying to uh, to think about our uh, physical safety but not about clinical trials but uh, within the past week we reactivated 60 percent of the initiated study sites so fortunately uh, they are willing to continue uh, and uh, for some projects we now uh, continue site selections in Poland uh, but for some projects uh, we decided to uh, try to keep Ukraine only. Okay and people may be wondering you know well Yuri a CRO whether you were virtual or not do you have like actual office or was everyone home-based? for your company and now our office remains in kiev okay uh, and uh, it is completely closed uh, and uh, you know the the biggest challenge was to understand where we are yeah because 30 people uh, relocated to different directions uh, and i just created google form uh, when i asked to everyone guys please fill out your current location. Do you have laptop? Do you have stable internet connection? Do you feel your physical safety and are you in, in the safe place? How many hours you can work per day? And uh, once this table was uh, completed, uh, we arranged uh, daily uh, startup calls at 9 a.m. Uh, and uh, we uh, tried to say to our guys, that uh, we we are working and we are now connected you can hear each other so no one disappear we are uh, together we are connected we can move forward and for the first two weeks uh, or maybe one first one week we do not do anything uh, practically uh, but Every day, we re, our project has been re, have been restarted, and we uh, feel some load. And uh, uh, now, thanking to uh, to the support from the industry, from other CROs, from pharmaceutical companies, uh, we are discussing uh, different projects in medical writing space, data management, and statistics. That's amazing. Now, I imagine the pandemic when everybody had to learn how to work remotely prepare yes. you well for this <laughs> you didn't think that it would come in handy right <laughs> yes yes pandemic well prepared us for the remote work uh, and now we have tools procedures and understanding of how we can cooperate within working teams uh, remotely is this going to make this going to make you question whether you're going to need an office when this is over right I mean, you might just say everybody here in the U.S., the reason I'm saying here in the U.S., a lot of the smaller CROs are all virtual, like all of them. They don't really have 
a headquarter. They have sites because when you really, and maybe you're better to, to discuss this than me, but a CRO, the way I understand it is just managing different parts of the study without directly doing those things. Maybe if you employ your own medical writers like you or biostatisticians, then you are directly doing it. But I know a lot of CROs, your size that outsource everything. So they're literally just managing vendors as the business. In your case, it seems a little more hands-on with the different services you have down to the site network that you probably have cultivated over the last several years. Um, But what are your thoughts on that? Like, How do you define a CRO and where do you fit into that space on a global scale? Yeah, that, that's great. That is a great question. And you know, uh, when pandemic started, uh, we decided to, um, to arrange completely uh, remote operations. Uh, and uh, uh, when we, we start with trying to manage procedures for two weeks, uh, I felt that uh, everyone loses the feeling of, of one company, of one team. And this feeling is, is vital for, uh, for the efficient operation. And it was the first discovery of the first two weeks of pandemic. Uh, and uh, uh, when uh, we, we were able to, to go to office every day, uh, after uh, restrictions were not so strict, uh, we uh, try to understand the balance between uh, office space and homework. Uh, and uh, from my perspective and from my experience, the best uh, scenario is when we go to the, to the office one week, one day per week. Mm. Uh, and uh, it gives us a, a very good productivity uh, because we always know that if we have to arrange uh, collaborative work inside the team, uh, we will plan a Tuesday uh, and we we arrange meetings in the office each Tuesday. Uh, But uh, during the other days, we are focusing on uh, uh, on the tasks which uh, require uh, deep uh, deep understanding and quiet space. Uh, so personal tasks uh, efficiently resolved uh, in the home office setup. Uh, but collaborative tasks um, uh, should be done uh, when we are all together in the office space. And the second discovery was that, um, you know, uh, before the pandemic, I was thinking that only working table and working space is a good condition for the productive uh, operation. Uh, And uh, uh, we have to identify how to create some informal events for team building and something. Uh, But uh, after pandemic, uh, I learned that uh, this one day in the office per week is not for for a real work. It is for team building. This is for communication. Uh, This is for the emotional 
link between people. It is not for productive operation, but the rest four days per week when everyone is isolated in, in their home office, this day is intended for the real operations. This was the biggest discovery. That's a good insight. I mean, that's uh, that seems about right. 20% for team building and, you know, ultimately like for an employer's perspective, that means retention, right? Because one of the CROs here in the US, I'm sure it's no different everywhere in the world, attrition, employee attrition, keeping the your CRAs. Right now, the market is so competitive. CRAs are going, you know, different, different companies like all the time, just for 20% increase in pay. Sometimes just they're bored, they want to try a new projects. So is this what that one day like to everybody meet up is trying to keep everybody like together and keep everyone on the same page? Yes, exactly, exactly. And this is the day for the common trainings uh, for uh, uh, for some traditions. For example, we <clears throat> celebrate uh, birthdays uh, in, in, in the office. Uh, and uh, this day really make us uh, as a team. It is it is a feeling of the uh, Pharmaxi as a company, uh, and uh, I think that it is also a tool for for retention uh, because when um, our guys uh, sometimes attacked by uh, HRs and they uh, try to pay them twenty percent more than than they have. Uh, in many cases, our people say, uh, "No, we 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 feel this the, uh, here emotional comfort. Uh, we 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 feel some empathy from the uh, from friends, from uh, bosses, and everything. Uh, so uh, they they try to wait on uh, not only economic values, but also psychological comfort and and other soft uh, soft, uh, soft objects skills. or soft yeah. skills soft skills yeah you know i have so many questions to ask you i know we don't have that much time but thank you again for doing this um there must be other cro's you're not the only cro in ukraine and i i think people don't understand outside of Ukraine or maybe outside of Eastern Europe that Ukraine is like kind of was a world leader still is a world leader in research as far as Eastern Europe's concerned. I don't know the numbers, but Ukraine was a very important, is a very important player in clinical research. Can you kind of explain the infrastructure? You know, I think people in the U S and Western Europe, they just think about Eastern Europe. Everyone's all, you know, the same, but Ukraine was advanced as far as the research infrastructure was concerned. And now it's been just completely turned upside down. You, you're not the only CRO there. I'm curious, are you speaking or do you know of some of your competitors, maybe even the big ones like Ikevia, um, how they're handling the situations and maybe this is an argument for why smaller CROs are better, you know, for times just like this, when in your case, this is your entire business is the Ukraine until now, until recently with Poland, but this was your entire business as opposed to a big player like Ikevia, 
maybe they can just say, well, we'll just drop our Ukraine operations for now until things settle, right? Because there's no incentive for them to work as hard as you to keep the business alive. Can you explain a little bit about this? And then we'll come back to Ukraine's history in clinical research. Yeah, yeah. I think that that you're right, uh, that uh, since Pharmaxi is my business and it is my life, uh, and I know each person uh, and everyone was selected from 20, you know, I performed uh, myself 20 interviews to select one wow. for, for the vacant position. So I invested tons of time trying to select our people. Uh, who will be, first of all, uh, fit to our values, company values, you know, and I, I evaluate uh, values and, and uh, uh, general uh, psychological picture of, of this person. And I try to imagine if this uh, person uh, will, uh, will be good uh, within our pharmacy atmosphere. So I evaluate not only professional skills, uh, I evaluate uh, everyone as a person. Uh, and uh, uh, once uh, I, I built this company, uh, I have uh, like very uh, big linkage with, with everyone. Uh, and I cannot simply say, oh, guys, I can see that now we have the load only for 15 of you, uh, so 15 people should be fired uh, in a week. So it, it, is, is, it is not, it is impossible for me. Uh, and I can imagine that some big company with many offices around the world, uh, it is probably easier to say, okay, we just close this office temporarily or we fire 100 people because you never uh, look their eyes, you know, you, you never speak with them personally. Right. But uh, here at Pharmaxi, and I think that small company could provide this level of empathy, understanding. Uh, and uh, I, I even ready to uh, to spend all our money on accounts uh, to keep them as a team to to not to fire anyone and i am ready to wait for for a good time when we will get and we will restore our uh, usual uh, contracts and uh, monthly payments from our customers because i have personal responsibility uh, in front of each each person in 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 my company, uh, so I think that this is the fact why sometimes people uh, have to consider small companies as the alternative to to a bigger one. And you know, uh, sometimes new newcomers uh, say to me that uh, big company is uh, preferential for them because it looks more stable like a company but i can argue with with this position and i can say that sometimes small company and ceo of the small company will fight more uh, and will spend more of time efforts money for for each uh, person than it is 
within the company when you have 10,000 employees. Multinational CRO that's doing, has offices in just about every country that's relevant to clinical research. If a crisis like this happens, they just look at it on a map. It's a number and say, well, we'll just pause there. We don't want to waste money on there. Let's just move over here. And you're left holding the bag. You know, if you're a sponsor and, and you're dealing with, with, with one of those countries, you're, you're left kind of in the dark uh, as opposed to a company like yours, Yuri, where, I mean, you've been doing this since 2013 as the CEO of Pharmaxi. You know, you're really fighting for it because that's what you do. That's what you have. And I should add, that um, we have Dr. Labed on. So you're a doctor of medicine, general practice. Uh, you got into research. I'm going on your LinkedIn and everybody go connect on LinkedIn. It's underneath the show notes, underneath the video. You got in uh, at the Ukrainian National Academy of Science. It looks like that's where you first started your research uh, career. Is that correct? Yes, yes. I graduated medical university and I decided to go to science rather than practical medicine mm. uh, and i have my phd in diabetes mellitus area uh, and uh, then uh, clinical research uh, is became my my favorite uh, option because it is a combination between medical skills uh, scientific background hello can you yeah. hear me yeah, yeah, we're here. We're here. Yeah. Uh, so uh, clinical research is the combination between medical understanding and each clinical trial is a scientific project. So uh, statistic material methods, uh, this is uh, the very simple uh, option, uh, which is similar to scientific project. Uh, and uh, in, in my uh, perspective, I also spent some time uh, in uh, IT industry, uh, and uh, here we create EDC system for clinical trials. Uh, so uh, clinical trials became a very comfortable area for me because it is on the border of several, uh, yeah. several like uh, science and several options. From the people, I didn't know this. This is why I'm asking. I didn't know this until the Ukrainian crisis started a month ago. Ukraine is a major player in clinical research. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Can you kind of discuss why maybe? Just a brief history of clinical research in Ukraine. Like why yeah. did it become so yeah, robust so. compared yeah. to some of the other countries in Eastern Europe? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for this very, very good question. Uh, you know, the, the biggest advantage of Ukraine is that uh, we have a so-called post-Soviet uh, centralized healthcare system, and we have big hospitals, uh, and uh, uh, small hospitals just forward patients to big hospitals. And when we initiate them as a clinical study sites, uh, they have a very good patient flow uh, and they select patients for the given study protocols faster than, than anywhere in Europe. And uh, we know uh, this comparing enrollment rate uh, when we participate in multi-country clinical trials. And Ukraine is always on top three countries uh, 
because enrollment rate here is, is very good. Uh, so the first factor is that healthcare system is unique and uh, this system is different uh, other than, than European countries. Uh, the second uh, idea is that it is big country, so it's 37, 40 million people, uh, and uh, we, we can uh, evaluate and we can find uh, patients even we, when we are talking about orphan disease and everything. So it is uh, easy to, 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 to find patients for different uh, study protocols. Uh, and uh, the third factor of, of our success is that uh, we have our Ministry of Health order, uh, which is just a simple translation of GCP standard. Mm. Okay. Uh, and for, for, for more than uh, 12 years, we are uh, completely harmonized with uh, European legislation, uh, with GCP, uh, and uh, that is why we are talking the same language with, with EMA, with FDA, our investigators uh, speak with uh, sponsors, with industry leaders uh, using the same terminology because this terminology is our internal terminology and procedures. So full harmonization, big country, centralized healthcare system. And maybe the fourth, fourth factor is that uh, our current salaries for investigators, for doctors uh, uh, are maybe the lowest in Europe. Uh, and uh, investigators are really willing to invest their own time uh, in clinical trials, uh, trying to, to get more money Hmm. And, and this is also a motivational factor for them. And they actively looking for new patients. And in many cases, they even create their own referral network. Uh, and they maintain this refer referral network. And when a study protocol initiated in some study sites, uh, PIs knows who could be contacted to send patients to to the particular study sites i see so it's a mixture of central central planning with i guess western um workflow as far as private industry is concerned and there's probably a lot of private public partnerships that we don't have time to get into but uh, what i've been reading there's a lot of that going on in ukraine for years for for maybe decades okay yeah. back to back to the cro business so look uh you have you mentioned technology several times i believe and i think you do too that the future of cro really is in tech and you've been early to this you've been the uh the director of online crf which is uh you were mentioning the east the ECRF system that you have with uh, with Pharmaxi. So you have you have a history of dealing with tech. What do you think is the future for CROs and for sponsors from a technology perspective? Here in the United States, we're just hearing decentralized trial all the time. That's all we hear. At conferences, all they talk about is decentralized trials. I haven't mm -hmm. heard you mention that yet. What is your take on this? Because you do have the tech background. Uh, 
And what do you think that actually means in a practical terms? Uh, okay, okay. Thank you for this question. And uh, you know, when we decided with my business partner that okay, we are two and we uh, establish CRO, we start thinking of uh, about the question of what, how we will differentiate from other CRO, and uh, we decided that this differentiation point will be digital. So this, this should be digital solution. Mm -hmm. And can you imagine that within the first years, it was a balance be between life and death because we did not have any external investments. We did not have big deposits, big money uh, somewhere in the back, you know. So uh, it was a balance within two, two years uh, between life, life and death for the company. Uh, and uh, uh, we decided to pay uh, IT guys, programmers to uh, create electronic data capture system uh, because mm, my understanding is that uh, only digital can uh, save money uh, for the whole, clin whole clinical trial. Only digital can enhance uh, the quality of data. Uh, and, you know, uh, CRA cannot uh, even uh, look at all data points when, when CRA visits study sites and he cannot compare uh, data and he cannot evaluate the quality of this data. Uh, he, he doesn't have any time to, to control quality in, in a, other than primary endpoints. Uh, so uh, digital uh, gives very good level of automation, uh, enhanced data quality, uh, optimized timelines. So we understood them th these questions uh, eight years ago, and we started investments. Uh, and uh, now I think that digital is is a center uh, of uh, our in internal procedures, uh, and this will this gives us. Uh, opportunity to speed up clinical trials to save money on on-site monitoring and uh, we we have many many benefits from from this understanding that uh, digital could be a, a core of all operations in in clinical research thank you for that yeah i mean we'll probably do part two part three just talking more about tech uh last two questions i have and then I know we both got to go at the top of the hour. Uh, are you surprised with how you've been able to manage in this last month? Number one. And number two, are you surprised or what has been your um, experience with the sponsors? Have they been surprisingly easy to work with during this time? Or has it been a total nightmare dealing with sponsors? I know it's a lot of question, open-ended question, but like, are you generally are you surprised that you are able to function given the context that you're in? Yeah, yeah. You know, my initial understanding uh, was that uh, okay, war is started, and in usual life, I have to spend three, four, six months to establish new connections and to start talking about new projects. Uh, but today uh, we have one month from this uh, horrible day 
Uh, and uh, uh, now we are participating in two uh, uh, vendor qualification procedures. So we are very close to, wow. to, the, to the new projects and new collaborations with companies. And it is incredible. I never believe that it is possible. Uh, so uh, everyone is very open and they just uh, ask uh, people, guys, can we talk about, about cooperation? Uh, and the next day I have a talk with, with everyone and thinking to this openness and willingness to to help uh, we, we we define many points for cooperation and it is incredible i was thinking that uh, maybe three months of of uh, stability uh, thinking to our good balances on accounts will not be enough to to restore uh, cash flow in, in our company but one month uh, is over, and uh, I think that uh, we will be lowered that uh, next month uh, for 70-70% of our total capacity. So wow. it, is, it, is, it is incredible. Yeah. And just as we... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Yuri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comment it, please. Uh, as we wrap up, what are the services you offer? Like maybe there's somebody watching, sponsor, they say, oh, well, you know what? Yuri seems like cool guy. Like yeah, I like the way he runs the company. Obviously, this is making this situation is making his company stronger. What are some of the services you offer? Uh, if you just want to list some of some of what you can do for a sponsor and why, yeah. why Yuri, why now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, great, great question. So uh, the first. Uh, service which we propose to our customers now is medical writing so we are good in understanding of what client wants and uh, i know that companies sometimes reject uh, these uh, proposals and this communication and Sarah sometimes say guys if you don't have uh, approved protocol we we cannot make every, uh, anything right. but I believe that we have to help our customers and even if they have only product and general idea, that is enough to start. And we are good in communication, in the understanding of what this product is, medical device or drug supplements or medication. Uh, we start communication. We try to understand where we are. And if they are ready for clinical trial from documental standpoint, um, um, we establish uh, meetings, we create synopsis, we develop study design, and we pass through these uh, steps uh, when we try to uh, explain to each other of how we can do something useful for the client. So we, we are good in it. Uh, and uh, we, we love this 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 activity. So, if sponsor think about clinical trial, and uh, they have no uh, clinical operation unit who, who who knows everything, we can start communication, and then we unfold this project to uh, regulatory activity, monitoring, uh, vendor selection. Uh, custom procedures, depot selection, and everything. Uh, so we just speak with client. We understand their needs, 
and then we unfold this project until the end results and documentation. So it's really end to end and throughout Eastern Europe. Um, so that's that's awesome, Yuri. We're gonna have Yuri's LinkedIn profile underneath. We're gonna have to do a part two. Hopefully things are gonna stabilize. Um, I don't know. I pray for you guys, you know, everybody out there, like stay safe, do what you can. I applaud you for what you've done to keep your business afloat. Matter of fact, making it stronger. So I'm glad to be connected with you now so we can interact and kind of collaborate and see how things go for you guys in the future. But I'm really excited for that. And I, I think you have all of Guru Nation support, thoughts and prayers, Yuri, uh, as you guys get through this. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you very much. And I would like to thank to all European friends and partners and all who say kind words uh, towards me and who help uh, our people. And, uh, you know, uh, one of uh, our friends uh, proposes their home for our employee and uh, uh, wow. she just, just live in, in, in Germany. Uh, and uh, it is also support of humanitarian level uh, and uh, again thank you thank to europe for military support because thanking to this anti-tank missiles we stop many many tanks around kiev and uh, they have no no idea of how to move forward so uh, i hope we win and then uh, we will develop uh, multinational CRO uh, in Ukraine and Poland. That's right. Absolutely. You're already doing it. So thank you, Yuri. Thank you, everybody, for watching, listening. Link to Yuri's LinkedIn underneath. Go hit him up. Show him your support and interact. We'll talk soon, Guru Nation. Take care. Thank you very much.